Hello, this is Patrick Ridgel with Transamerica, and welcome to a very special edition of Market Pulse. We are once again joined by Transamerica Asset Management Chief Investment Officer, Tom Walt. Hello, Tom. Hello, Patrick. Now, today, we have the pleasure of talking to Tom about his Transamerica Asset Management 2024 Market Outlook. This is available on transamerica.com, and just as Tom has been doing for years now, he provides an excellent overview of pretty much everything investors need to know for the year ahead, and in it, he covers some key topic areas, including the U.S. economy, interest rates, and the fixed income markets, U.S. stocks, and international stocks. Tom, thanks for joining us to talk through it today. Happy to be here, Patrick. Well, Tom, given the amount of information and perspectives you provide in the outlook, let's jump right in on your first section, the U.S. economy. And here, I believe you are still in the camp of a potential recession occurring in the first half of the year. Is that correct? That, that's right, Patrick. I, I know there's been a lot of talk recently of a soft landing, but but I still weigh in toward a mild recession occurring uh, during the first half of the year. Uh, now, I know we're coming off an extremely strong third quarter GDP print north of 5%, uh, which was the highest quarter of growth since we came out of the pandemic in late 2021. And, and this was driven by pretty dramatic levels of consumer spending last summer. But I think that was clearly a cycle high and we could already be in reversal mode. Okay. So far, uh, for most of the fourth quarter tracking estimates are in the 1% range. And perhaps more importantly, it just feels to me like there are too many economic headwinds swirling about uh, that are ready to hit in the next few months. Okay, what would some of those be? Well, let, let's begin with all of the Fed rate hikes since March 2022, 5.25% uh, in total. And standard economic thought is that it takes anywhere from 12 to 18 months for any given rate hike to fully filter through the economy, which under that premise would mean we still have more than half of those rate increases yet to have their total effects felt on business activity. In terms of data trends, uh, the national household savings rate has declined into the 3% range from more than twice that level a couple of years ago. And that rate has been falling against a backdrop of rising aggregate credit card debt, uh, which has now surpassed $1 trillion uh, with interest accruing at higher interest rates. And, and just a couple of months ago, we had the resumption of student loan payment requirements on a total nationwide balance uh, of about $1.8 So to me, Patrick, that's a lot uh, for the economy to ride out in the next several months, making it very difficult to stay in positive growth territory. Yeah, it sure sounds like it. But how bad of a recession do you think it might be? Uh, not not too bad by, by historical standards. Okay. Uh, these are not insurmountable headwinds, but they will need to work through the system. I'm thinking probably a relatively short downturn lasting about two quarters or so uh, into the early summer and with uh, annualized contraction in the negative uh, one to two percent range. Uh, and after that, the Fed, the, the Fed probably starts cutting rates and we could get a pretty quick uh, recovery thereafter. Now, Tom, given your outlook for a recession, albeit a mild recession in your view, during perhaps the first half of the year, how do you see markets reacting to one? Uh, well, Patrick, I think sort of the irony here is that given the widely anticipated nature of a pending economic downturn, 
I think markets probably handle it pretty well. Remember, the ominous gathering cloud of recession was a major reason stocks fell as much as they did back in 2022. And most uh, have still not fully recovered. And markets are, of course, the great discounters of future events. So when we do perhaps begin to see a real economic contraction, the markets that time probably come to a few key conclusions. One, the Fed will have to start cutting rates. Two, inflation still has more downside. And three, the upcoming recovery for calendar year 2025 could be a pretty good one. And again, with its forward-looking mechanism at work, I think there's a good chance the market starts to incorporate all those factors into stock and bond prices during the second half of 2024. So the, the sort of broader point here, in my opinion, is as the potential economic downturn plays out, I think it probably makes sense for investors to consider stocks and higher quality bonds during any weakness, both of which could stand to do very well in the second half of the year and into 2025. That's interesting. Where do you see inflation heading over the next year? Patrick, we're pretty encouraged by recent inflation trends and think they will continue to mitigate throughout the year ahead. Since inflation appears to have peaked uh, two summers ago, we have seen the Consumer Price Index, or CPI, decline from a year-over-year rate of higher than 9% to just above 3%, and CPI Core, X Food and Energy, fall from 6.6% to 4%. Personal Consumption Expenditures, or PCE, Price Index, has fallen from over 7% to 3% since its peak last year. And the Fed's preferred measure, PCE core, has declined from 5.6% to 3.5%. So it's hard to say these numbers have not been moving in the right direction. And it's my view that CPI, that core CPI and core PCE both will likely challenge 3% to the downside over the next several months. And that's another reason why we think the economy probably recovers pretty quickly after a relatively brief downturn. Now, Tom, potential economic slowing and the pace of inflation both play into your your interest rate outlook. So tell us how you are seeing the path of both long and short-term rates in the year ahead. Uh, Yes. Given the Fed's dramatic pace of uh, rate hikes uh, since March 2022 and the mitigating levels of inflation now being experienced in the economy combined with what we believe will likely be an economic downturn in the months ahead, I think there is a strong probability, in my view, that the Federal Reserve cuts rates in the second half of 2024. So my best judgment at this point is they will probably begin an easing cycle consisting of perhaps four quarter point rate reductions uh, about next summer, ultimately taking the Fed funds uh, rate target range. Uh, down to four and a quarter to four uh, and a half percent by the end of the year, which would be a full 100 basis points or one percent below uh, where we are now. And in addition to the absolute level of uh, short-term interest rates, I think a major focus for fixed income investors during 2024 will also be the changing slope of the Treasury bond yield curve, which uh, for more than a year now has been inverted with short-term rates higher than long-term rates. Here, we believe there will likely be a material flattening of the three-month to 10-year Treasury yield curve throughout the year. Uh, This would be consistent with past history dating back to 1969, in which yield curves have inverted prior to recession and then normalized back toward an upward slope just before or during recession. So we would expect that three-month to 10-year Treasury yield curve to fully flatten 
uh, in the year ahead before ultimately resuming an upward slope uh, in 2025. Uh, we therefore expect yields at the longer end to see little change. Uh, with our year-end 2024 target on the 10-year Treasury rate, also at approximately 4.25%. Tom, given that vision for where rates could go in the next year, where do you think fixed income investors should be focused? Uh, so, Patrick, with this perspective drop in short-term rates and the stabilization in longer-term rates in order to facilitate a flattening yield curve in 2024, we believe intermediate-term investment-grade bonds in the maturity range of six to nine years appear most optimal for fixed income investors. We say this because this area of the curve allows bond investors to lock in yields at or near multi-year highs while mitigating reinvestment rollover risk at the shorter end of the, end of the curve, as well as duration-based price risk at the longer end. Uh, we are more drawn to investment-grade bonds than high yield, in large part due to the ability of investment-grade to fully weather an economic downturn during the first half of 2024, uh, although we do see high yields still generating positive total returns and warranting a smaller portion of fixed income investors' portfolios. Okay. Let's turn to U.S. stocks. Mm -hmm. How are you mm -hmm. assessing the landscape here uh, for 2024, particularly in light of the fact that you see a recession likely coming in the first half of the year? Yeah, uh, Patrick, I would say stocks appear pretty well positioned to surpass record highs this year. Uh, this is based in large part on tailwind macroeconomic catalysts that include uh, potential rate cuts by the Fed, declining rates uh, of inflation, and accelerating corporate earnings growth uh, in the second half of the year. So we believe a realistic year-end 2024 price target on the S&P 500 to be 5,000, which still reflects less than 2% annualized price appreciation from the S&P's year-end 2021 close. Mm -hmm. So I think there's still more upside here in 2025 and beyond if stocks resume uh, just an historically average upward trend. Uh, again, I think equities are likely to handle a mild recession pretty well based on expectations of lower interest rates, corresponding earnings acceleration in the second half, of 2024 and into 2025, and in light of the steep declines incurred during the depths of the recent bear market, of which most major indexes are still yet to fully recover. So, Patrick, I think what's most important about stocks in 2024 is that they will likely weather a modest economic downturn and then benefit from lower interest rates, declining inflation, and accelerating earnings growth beginning in the second half of the year. And that should take pretty much all of those major indexes out to record highs. And where do you shake out on the growth versus value debate? I think growth stocks could be positioned really well for 2024. So I would favor them over value right now. That conclusion is sort of based on, on a few criteria. First is during an economic downturn, growth stocks can benefit from a quote-unquote scarcity of growth factor as the market gravitates in the direction of companies that can generate higher comparative earnings. Second, uh, growth stocks also stand to benefit from declining inflation and lower interest rates as more of their present value tends to be from out-year cash flows further in the future. And finally, along those lines, uh, we took a look at one-year timeframes following three historical conclusions to Fed tightening cycles we believe to be most similar to this current one, uh, those being rate hike cycles ending 
in December 2018, February 1995, and February 1989, all of which displayed strong returns for stocks for the year thereafter with growth outperforming value. And Tom, what are your thoughts on international stocks? Does the quote-unquote lost decade continue in terms of their underperformance versus U.S. equities? Uh, well, I would say there there certainly could be opportunities for global investors within developed markets, which continue to trade at meaningful valuation discounts to U.S. stocks. So okay. even if those valuation gaps close modestly, uh, that could be material. In terms of specific regions, we actually think Europe could, uh, could be well positioned. Like the U.S., uh, they could uh, see economic slowing in the first half, but Inflation has really come down a good bit in the eurozone, and we think the European Central Bank uh, is likely to also cut rates in the, uh, later in the year. Uh, we also like Japan, where the overall uh, environment is turning more investor-friendly based on how companies could soon start deploying capital. And I think we could see the Nikkei 225 index actually challenge its all-time high achieved way back in 1989 at some point over the next couple of years. Uh, we are a little less optimistic on emerging markets and believe in that space, investors uh, should weight portfolios more toward India and less to China. Tom, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that 2024 is, of course, an election year. So, how mm -hmm. might that come into play with the markets this year? Mm -hmm. A great question, Patrick. And I think this year's elections will be particularly interesting in that it looks as though the White House, Senate, and House of Representatives are all looking at very close contests as to which political party will gain or maintain control. In short, I think both parties have a legitimate chance at a sweep, and this could have a real impact on economic and tax policy for 2025 and beyond. So uh, there is a lot of drama uh, to play out on this front uh, over the next year, and at various points, I'm sure the markets will react to it. Tom, this has been a great overview. And as we've always liked to do in the past, I was wondering if we could close out with a with a sort of speed summary round on everything we've covered just now. Sure. Okay, let's start with the U.S. economy. Uh, U.S. economy is likely to face a mild recession in the first half of 2024, resulting in negative GDP growth for about two quarters or so. After that, a pretty quick recovery based on the Fed cutting rates, inflation continuing to decline, and stronger corporate earnings growth beginning in the second half of the year. We see core inflation rates uh, heading further downward into the low 3% range. So all considered, markets probably handle this upcoming downturn pretty well. And what about interest rates? We think the Fed begins easing about mid-year and likely puts in 100 basis points, a full 1% of rate cuts, concluding the year with a target range in the Fed funds rate of 4.25% to 4.5%. We also see the yield curve moving from an inverted to a flat slope with the 10-year Treasury yield also finishing the year at about 4.25%. And where do you see the best place for fixed income investors to be in the year ahead? In my view, that would be intermediate term investment grade bonds about six to nine years out of the curve. I think that is the best spot to lock in yields and mitigate against both rollover reinvestment risk at the short end and duration based price risk at the longer end. Okay. And U.S. stocks. 
U.S. stocks are likely to reach record highs, and our year-end price target on the S&P 500 is 5,000. Catalysts would be Fed rate cuts, declining inflation, and an expected quick recovery and stronger calendar year 2025 earnings growth following the first half economic downturn. In this environment, we would favor growth stocks over value. About international stocks. There are opportunities in developed markets where stocks in Europe and Japan appear well positioned. We are less favorable on emerging markets and believe those portfolios are better off weighted more toward India than China. And the upcoming U.S. elections. Watch closely to see if either party has a chance to sweep the White House and both chambers of Congress and what that might mean for tax and economic policy. All right, Tom, great job. This has been a great overview as always, and we want to encourage all of our listeners to read and click through the complete market outlook and corresponding charts on transamerica.com. It covers everything Tom has just talked about in a quite thorough yet concise format. And with that, Tom, it's onward and upward into 2024. Yes, it is, Patrick. Fantastic. We'll look forward to more conversations as everything plays out. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Patrick. Looking forward to the year ahead. Investments are subject to market risk, including the loss of principal. Asset classes or investment strategies described may not be appropriate for all investors. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Indexes are unmanaged and an investor cannot invest directly in an index. The information included in the podcast should not be construed as investment advice or a recommendation for the purchase or sale of any security. This material contains general information only on investment matters. It should not be considered as a comprehensive statement on any matter and should not be relied upon as such. The information does not take into account any investor's investment objectives, particular needs, or financial situation. The value of any investment may fluctuate. This information has been developed by Transamerica Asset Management Inc. and may incorporate third-party data, text, images, and other content to be deemed reliable. Comments and general market-related projections are based on information available at the time of writing and believed to be accurate, are for informational purposes only, are not intended as individual or specific advice, may not represent the opinions of the entire firm, and may not be relied upon for future investing. Investors are advised to consult with their investment professional about their specific financial needs and goals before making any investment decisions. Equities are subject to market risk, meaning that stock prices in general may decline over short or extended periods of time. Fixed income investing is subject to credit rate risk, interest rate risk, and inflation risk. Credit risk is the risk that the issuer of a bond won't meet their payments. Inflation risk is the risk that inflation could outpace a bond's interest income. Interest rate risk is the risk that fluctuations in interest rates will affect the price of a bond. Investing in floating rate loans may be subject to greater volatility and increased risks. Growth stocks typically are particularly sensitive to market movements and may involve larger price swings because their market prices tend to reflect future expectations. Growth stocks as a group may be out of favor and underperform the overall equity market for a long period of time, for example, while the market favors value stocks. Value investing carries the risk that the market will not recognize a security's intrinsic value for a long time or that an undervalued stock is actually appropriately priced. Investments in global-slash-international markets involve risks not associated with U.S. markets, such as currency fluctuations, adverse social and political developments, and the relatively small size and lesser liquidity of some markets. These risks may be greater in emerging markets. Transamerica Asset Management Inc., TAM, is an SEC-registered investment advisor that provides asset management, fund administration, and shareholder services for institutional and retail clients. The funds advised and sponsored by TAM include Transamerica Funds and Transamerica Series Trust. Transamerica Funds and Transamerica Series Trust are distributed by Transamerica Capital Inc., TCI, member FINRA. TAM is an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Aegon NV, an international life insurance, pension, and asset management company. Three, two, eight, one, three, five, two.